This episode is brought to you by Dr. Squatch. When your personal care routine needs a refresh, Dr. Squatch is here to help. They have high-performing natural products with no harmful ingredients that'll have you looking and smelling your best. Like the Bay Rum Soap and Deodorant. It smells delightfully spicy. And right now, they have an amazing offer for new customers. Get 20% off your first purchase of any amount or a subscription order by going to drsquatch.com slash Spotify or use the code Spotify at checkout. If you enjoy the Filmmakers Podcast, please consider supporting us on Patreon. The Podfacts Network! Hello and welcome to episode 278 of the Filmmakers Podcast. This is a podcast where we talk filmmaking, from indie film to studio films to TV and everything in between. How to get them made, how to make them, and how to try not to F it up in a very, very humble opinion. I am Giles Alderson and I, as you can probably tell from the noise behind me, am in Cannes. It is stunning. It has been one of the best festivals, uh, certainly that I can remember, but from talking to other people, they say it as well. I am stood on the balcony of Entertainment Squad's offices. They very kindly let me not recording here because you can hear the noise around me, the hubbub, the buzz. I'm overlooking uh, the cinema de la plage. It's the beach. There's deck chairs all laid out in front of me. There's a huge, I mean, I don't know how big that screen is. 60 foot maybe screen on the beach. Beyond that is the sea. There's boats dotted around like stars in the night sky. Beyond that is a marina jetting out to a a lighthouse and beyond mountains with clouds overlooking. I mean, it is stunning where I am right now. Below me, there is thousands of filmmakers and tourists um, all hustling and bustling along the corset. So apologies for the noise behind me, but I had to record this intro somewhere because this week's episode is with Josh Agnew. He is a fantastic director. Josh has made so many films and TV shows, including The Irregulars, Poldark, and The Amazing The Man Who Fell to Earth, which he's directed episodes seven and eight of the brand new series. Myself and Hugh Siddle sat down with Josh. You don't know Hugh Siddle yet. He's our marketing guru. He's been working tirelessly behind the scenes for you, especially on the Patreon page. And because he's been recording little mini episodes with short filmmakers and other crew as well, which will be on our Patreon page very soon. I thought I'd introduce him to you guys, to the main podcast, so you can get used to him and his voice. So this is his first time doing it. So uh, be nice to him. I thought he'd done a brilliant job. Uh, I'll let you be the judge of that. But do uh, at him, at Hugh Siddle on Twitter and let him know how brilliant he is. Myself and Hugh sat down with Joss and we chatted all about The Man Who Fell to Earth and his previous films and TV. We talked about what his process is when the pitch comes his way, what it's like to jump into an existing series. What's the difference between directing TV versus directing feature films? We also talk about his editing background, how he started out uh, as a director. And he gives you some amazing tips on pitching and how he preps a scene. It is a joy. It is a joyous episode. I really loved chatting to Josh. And he had so many insights and tips for you as filmmakers. So I know you are going to love it. So I will give you a full rundown of my experience in Cannes once I am back and I'm on a decent microphone. But let me tell you this, it has been amazing. I met so many incredible people. I might have been wrong in the past. I think anyone should come here. You're a starting out filmmaker. If you're very experienced, professional, 
this is where it's happening. This is a perfect place to meet people. It's a perfect place to pitch projects. It's a brilliant networking opportunity. Everyone is so friendly. Business cards out first thing, what do you do? And it has been incredible for that. So I encourage you next year, if you haven't come this year, and I, I do apologize for talking about it, if you're fear of missing out, seeing all the images on Instagram at the moment of everyone here, don't worry. It's not your time. Next year's your time. You can make it happen then, but do save for it and do come out next year. Make things happen. Every festival is an opportunity for you. I've just eaten an ice cream on the way back. It was delicious. It was a, a vegan strawberry one. Um, and it's my first ice cream in Cannes. <laughs> I'm so tired. So my voice is probably absolutely knackered. We've been up at crazy hours for meetings and then you'd stay up late in all the events. Um, but it has been absolutely worth every second. Myself and Jack Spring, the director of Three Day Millionaire, have been pitching it in meeting rooms. We have been showing our teaser trailer for Three Day Millionaire to sales and distributors, and it has been going down incredibly well. I don't want to jinx anything, but uh, we feel very positive uh, about the meeting. I think everyone has here in Cannes this year. It's been a very positive Cannes, but uh, we're very excited for Three Day Millionaire and our future projects. So yes. Now I'll fill you in more on that when I can, but for now, I'm gonna tell you about some of the bonus uh, clips that will be on our Patreon page from this episode uh, with Josh. And on that will be where he talks about changing lines on set and making TV for kids versus making TV for adults and the huge distinction between the two. That'll be on our Patreon page later this week, so do. Do check that out. Um, but for now, I'm going back out into the melee and the madness of this fantastic can 2022 and the amazing market that it has been. Maybe I'll dance a little. Maybe my feet are killing me though. You don't have to walk around here. Oh, and it's hot. Believe me, it's hot. Sun creep at the ready. <laughs> anyway, I will be back uh, on my regular microphone very soon for you next week. So for now, sit back, relax and enjoy this week's episode with myself, Hugh Siddle, and the rather brilliant Joss Agnew. Enjoy. Hi, well, nice to meet you, Giles. It's nice to meet you. When projects like The Man Who Fell to Earth come to you, what, what goes through your mind? Because you, you must get offers, you must pitch for stuff all the time. How is it that process happens and what do you think? What's the first thing you think about when a, a TV series like this comes your way? I'm very much like an actor in the role that I inhabit at the moment. I'm an episodic director of TV mm -hmm. series. So um, it is either through someone I've worked with in the past that's got a project um, that coming up and, and you're talking about, you're in conversation about, or in this case, Manly Feltworth, it was through my agent. Yeah, so you get sent the scripts or more specifically, get sent an NDA first, non-disclosure <laughs> agreement. There's lots of those yep. with no problem. And then, yeah, dive into the scripts, read them and, uh, and take it from there. Amazing. I like that. Is there anything that stands, because like I say, you, you're very successful now in that world, not just in the action side, but also the drama side, you know, the split was incredible. Um, but oh, it was great to work on. Oh yeah, absolutely. My uh, friend Oliver Parker just edited the whole last uh, uh. season and 
yeah yeah it's just gone out hasn't yeah it? it has which is incredible yeah. and he was talking about how amazing it was to work on that yeah. and i think he worked on the season you worked on as well but he was doing much more behind the scenes at the time when you're getting those sort of projects come your your way does does you have sometimes to think about the choice should i do this or should i do that if i do this it's going to take me out for six months you know if there's something you really wanted to do and you don't know if it's going to happen is that a difficult choice sometimes or is it you're happy with whatever work comes in i don't know it'd be really interesting to know i think i well i first of all i've been really lucky really lucky I, and i don't quite know how but i just have been <laughs> must have touched a lot of wood i think uh, that sounds completely filthy but <laughs> <laughs> why not please do if don was here it'd be full of puns right now so it's all good it's probably a good job he's not one of our fellow hosts so well uh, no so i mean it's it's really about read that story uh, meet those characters and then you know and just try and be honest with yourself about how it's coming over how are you being affected how do you respond to it mm. and in this case um when i was reading the scripts um my wife said i haven't heard you laugh out loud that much for ages and which is which when you think about it at first you might not think that would be the case with the man if elsewhere no. but there is a lot of a lot of humor in it mm. and um but it's it's also about i think maybe some of the humor there is because there's a lot of pressure a lot of tension mm -hmm. and then when that goes you've got the release so that's where the you know comedic possibilities come out yeah generally that's the first thing to look at is how are you responding to the script so you are the audience if it's if it's something that tickles you something that takes your mm -hmm. fancy if it's it's something that stimulates you and asks some really interesting questions then that's what i respond to how did it feel really when you were sort of looking at going on to this with the fact that it's i suppose already an existing ip really because the man who fell to earth obviously yeah. it's a cult classic sci-fi film it's one of like the original strong sci-fi novels sort of was it did you want to do it because you knew all of that or was it, how do you approach kind of that existing IP angle? That's a great question. It has lot, lots of play. Um, it has a lot to do with it. That, that existing movie. I remember seeing it when I was a, a kid, I stayed up too late watching TV. Mm -hmm. um, yep. <laughs> didn't have so many channels, not so much access. And then there's this really strange film and with a very terrifying sort of, uh, uh, transformation in it and some incredible ideas and you know magnetic bowie uh, so that really just has stayed with me ever since and the novel obviously i saw the film first and then read the novel later so kind of understood what the film was about a bit more that helped reading getting into his head a bit more so yeah no it was it was uh exciting to see what uh jenny lumet and alex kurtzman had done mm. 45 years later where do we go next i mean the book and the film also ends on such a strange tragic and horrific ending he's completely lost newton so you're wondering where's he been all this time what's happened to him hmm, totally so those who don't know the original film did star david bowie uh did the book come first i think that's right the book came first didn't it yeah how is it jumping into a series because like say you did episode seven and eight so you're jumping into something that's kind of already fully formed you know the cast has already been there i imagine unless you were involved in the early stages of it uh, maybe when you're 
you know, talking about it perhaps, but you might not be uh, casting as such, maybe your episode, sure. How is it to jump into something that is already, you know, on its legs and it's exciting and it's new? Well, jump. <laughs> is, is, is a good way of putting it. Sure. I really, it, honestly, it depends. Uh, sometimes you can be contacted months and months ahead and you can be in, involved uh, early doors, or sometimes this was a lot later. So it was, I mean, I think the analogy I keep thinking about is this massive locomotive and it's going. Yes. And you're just running alongside it, trying to, and then you hop on. And you've got to very discover very quickly where everything is, mm-hmm. and and you know getting into the vibe of of um, where they've come from, and where we're going to, uh, who's on board, who's driving this thing, mm-hmm. you know, who, who who to pay attention to, all all of the building blocks of of filmmaking. Um, you're playing a very quick game of catch up, and at the same time, you're then preparing for your you know the your turn to be driving as it were and yeah so everything that goes any casting that needs to be done for your segment any uh, location hunting it's endless storyboarding etc etc i mean how does that work then when you've got i suppose multiple episodes in the season that are done apart from each other i mean and specifically looking at obviously you were part of the tv sensation that is poldark mm-hmm. and i um, <laughs> oh, and going going and, and shamelessly Which, going through your imdb a huge I, part <laughs> i was gonna say part <laughs> of yes. Yeah, yes and uh, so going through obviously you served as director for plenty of episodes there but not always all in a row yeah so how do you kind of go about doing okay i've got these episodes but then I have to hand it out over to somebody for three or four episodes. Then I come back and take this again. Such, so how do you approach that? Yeah, it's a, it, hopefully it's a collaboration and a positive one. And with that particular show, it was uh, fantastic. Uh, the amazing team of people. How do you prepare for it? It was quite interesting. Poldark specifically would shoot. I don't know if you knew this, but most of it shot in Bristol. Right. Okay. <laughs> That's a bit of a, a spoiler. <laughs> um, so, what would happen first would would be that we would shoot in Cornwall, mm-hmm. and we'd shoot for three weeks, three maybe four weeks in Cornwall, because I worked on series three and four, and I top and tailed those series. So I did some at the beginning and some at the end, and an um, other director did the middle section, so with three blocks. And so we go to Cornwall. We shoot because you're there for the coast. And I, I, I did love the way they, you know, the emotional um, state of the characters was reflected in what's playing at the coast. I mm. mean, it's a classic technique, but it was really, I think it was beautifully done there. So you shoot everything at the coast first and then come back and shoot the rest of the series. Um, I mean, with scheduling as it is, one series I was shooting, yeah, Demelza and Josh, having their liaison in the dunes and that was the first thing i shot with those actors wow wow and you just dive straight in is it kind of okay well this is what we've got to do <laughs> you're used to this like you know what i mean how do you rehearse yeah. Is, yeah you just block it through as you would do a- anything else that particular sequence was really sensitive and we wanted to be at the coast so there was the conundrum of how are we going to do this and when, when we went down there often we'd have quite a few fans around and security trying to block out certain things. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we, yeah, it was quite a a, a few recce's um, and uh, intensive rehearsal on that. And then on the day, it just went like a dream. There were real pros. It's fantastic work. 
and, and we didn't get hundreds of um, paparazzi or you know thousands of of people watching. I think we were too early in the day for that. So you did. You ma- you managed to avoid it. Well done. How do you mentally prepare to jump out? You know, you're jumping in, you do your episodes around that, and obviously you're looking at locations and you're thinking about casting for the next episodes coming up. But how do you keep an eye on the character arcs a little bit or where the actors have has found something and then you're coming back in like three episodes later? How does that work in your head mentally? How do you prepare for that? Yes, yeah, such a good question. You've just got to know that story as backwards, mm-hmm. you know, and it's it, every, you've got to know where the characters have come from. Where they're going to is not necessarily as important because, well, none of us know Don't that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But you, you sure need to know where they've come from, everything that's gone before, even back into previous series, if you want to reference any callbacks or or something. Um, how do you mentally prepare? You try not to be scared. Try, try not to let the fear overwhelm you and rely on all the, the really good team that you've got around you, script editors, are really, you know, fantastically important from that yes. that point of view. But also, the most important thing is just trying to get time with the writer. Right. Okay. Of course. That you know, just try and learn as much of the context and why characters are doing what they're doing and why they're not. Um, and then, yeah, I don't want to be too boring, but it all comes down to the scheduling. You've got to know the scenes and the story and how that they fit into the story. But then once you start cutting that up and mixing it all around and throwing it up in the air and it all landing in different order. You've got to, you've got to um, know how much you can shoot where you can. I can feel the, the fear rising in me as I'm telling all this now. <laughs> we, we brought back the memories. We love it though, because this is the stuff that our listeners, you know, want to know. And it's the stuff that sometimes can get overlooked, that fear. And thank you for being honest. That sort of like, oh my gosh, I've got to have all this in my head and to keep it all running in your head. And again, like you say, have amazing people around you and absolutely. And on the TV shows you've done, of course, you're going to have that. But again, it's that fear, isn't it? Of, oh God, is someone going to ask me a question about something and I don't know? Um, uh, and you've got to keep all that in your head. Do you write everything down? Do you have a notebook? Do you have full-on articles and spreadsheets and God knows what storyboards fully constantly around you? Um, storyboards, yeah. I mean, obviously with big complicated sequences, action, especially you can you, have storyboarded that or have some sort of previs in place. Generally, I just just put as many notes in my script as possible the triggers that the you know the writers told or the showrunner has been through with you that is the main thing it all comes back to the script so any sort of tonal references or um, filmic references just put it right next to that scene that you're working on that day mm. um and any any other thoughts and then um yeah as soon as that's done you just move straight on to the next one it's quite common uh, this sounds really nuts but at the end of a day if you've been you know re- concentrating all day on a on a on a shoot to finish that call sheet at the end of the day, you think, well, hey, what did I do first thing? What was that? Yeah. And it's sometimes it's just gone because mm-hmm. you're constantly just moving through the material one scene at a time mm. and one shot at a time and so on. And with that kind of constant moving, how do you ensure consistency, I suppose, across a series? Because obviously no two directors will direct the exact same way, but you don't want 
it to be kind of vastly different from one episode to the other. Like, how do you ensure that kind of consistent directing style and consistent characterization and such across what can be really quite a long series sometimes? These are such hard questions. <laughs> um, <laughs> we, we don't play softball on the film podcast. We're here for fun. <laughs> um, <laughs> we'll bring it back to fun in a minute. <laughs> no, you're, you're, that's a great question. And, and to be absolutely honest, you are relying on those that amazing cast. So they are the guardians of their character and they've been working on that character for all of their scenes, you know, not just the scenes I've been directing. So quite often, and, and it depends who it is, uh, to be absolutely honest, some, some actors will prepare in a completely different way to others. Some want to just keep it fresh to possibilities on the day. Others have kind of got themselves made some choices early on and pretty much they'll stick with that and either one you can work with and all you're doing is just trying to nudge the tiller to take us on uh, you know in particular directions for particular times gosh it's 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 wonderfully amazing you know i've done bits of telly but it's mainly feature films i've done and it's the same thing in, in a way is you know you can't really remember sometimes said did you do that scene at the start of the day you've got <laughs> yeah. i have no idea do you wake up at night mm -hmm. that, that early early morning you suddenly wake up and think oh shit i didn't get that shot i didn't get it yes yeah you have uh, that fear you have that fear and then you have to check you go god did i get i wanted that beautiful shot no, i wanted all this thing you, I didn't, think, you, you didn't, didn't get it <laughs> <laughs> but don't tell anyone that's the thing totally that's, yeah you can't but that's why the shot listing is great and storyboarding is great and obviously you can't storyboard everything certainly not in features when you haven't got the time or you can't draw like me but that shot <laughs> listing is so important <laughs> and vital to almost tick it off did i get the close did i get this but then on the day you change it you know you can sit your uh, shot list out perfectly this is what i want the storyboard even may be done as soon as you get there okay well the light's different now and the actor's doing something different the cinematographer goes i want to do something different so your mindset goes oh gosh yeah. we're coming here here and here and if the only times when i might have dropped a close-up might have dropped something is because you've set up for it and then someone will go actually let's do the other side first so because you've set up for it and maybe you rehearsed it you think you've shot it um yeah. and, and that, that's the only time you might miss something but tv wise i suppose you're doing it over a, a much longer period than you know a 90 minute movie where you can sort of go through it in a kind of shit let's get through this day shit let's get through this day and yeah. again maybe the same in telly but at least you have the buffer of or maybe not buffer it's too wide right i don't know how what's the dif yeah. difference uh, have you heard that um that expression oh it's in the director's can mm. and that's that's the shot that you thought you got but mm. you didn't and that's where it, that's where it will live forever and <laughs> i did a i was shooting some uh stuff at the cave and on the recce, I'd taken my stills and I'd put a, I don't know, 28 mil on or something like that yeah. and got this fantastic shot and it, and it was a you know, huge cave opening, lots of headspace. And when I came to shoot it, I, um, I did, I shot it tighter, but I was, I was saying to the assistant editor, say, no, no, you need to go back through the rushes because there's this wider <laughs> shot. And of course it was the stills I'd done, not oh the actual gosh. movie shot. That's <laughs> amazing. That, that was really annoying. Yeah, that is really annoying. I remember it happened to me the other way around. I remember on an edit once I thought uh, the, the editor was going, you haven't got the footage. Why didn't you get 
the footage and I went no no I have I know I did get it I know I did get it I thought I was going insane you know when you think you've got it and then I started to question myself and it was on and apparently found it eventually on another drive tucked away nice different thing but you know when you keep saying no I've got it please search please search I know I've got it I know I've got it so it, I prefer your version <laughs> yeah <and> me too because <laughs> there's nothing worse than when you think you've got it and then you actually didn't oh it's devastating I'd like to jump back a little bit before we come back to uh, the Man Fell to Earth your start because I find this kind of interesting. You were editing quite a while. Yeah, I, I was always aware that editing is the closest thing to directing. And when you make your own stuff, as everyone generally who wants to be a filmmaker, it's the only way to learn is go and make your own stuff. So you're doing everything, aren't you? And But the reason I went into the cutting rooms was because I always wanted to direct, but it was the option that was open to me because I did this amazing training scheme. It was a complete fluke. Right. It was called the Joint Board for Film Industry Training. And it was, I was such a, it was such a blessing to get it. And anyway, you would do, you would uh, train in all sorts of areas, camera sound, assist uh, art department. And then in the it was two years, second year, you specialize. So I went into the cutting rooms. And, um, and you go to film school as well. It was an absolutely amazing scheme. And occasionally I meet a veteran, Job mm. Fit, someone from Job Fit. It's really great meeting them. And it just shows how important the training is because I had no family connections or or anything and it was uh it was a really useful routine have you shot on film because i've not and i'd love to not for ages i, I mean early, early days short films and um i certainly sunk up enough rushes on film <laughs> frightening and, on the film though <gasps> yeah. frightening but yes you sunk up rushes and you sunk up rushes on some amazing films like king ralph uh robin hood prince of thieves oh my gosh city of yeah. joy list goes on well it's amazing it's a brilliant experience i mean on Robin Hood, here's an anecdote for you. The director of that, Kevin Reynolds, I thought he was an amazing director, is amazing director. And I can remember I had an opportunity to, to ask him, some of this green kid working, you know, his second assistant, and he's this big Hollywood director. And I get to ask him that question. I say, yeah. so, so what is directing like? And uh, he said, I don't know. <laughs> No, no, he didn't. He told me he, he told me this anecdote. So he said, okay, it's the last scene of the movie and it's on a hill with a tree, sunset. Uh, you know, there's flowers, there's him and there's her, there's the line and there's that's it, curtain down, end of movie. I'm, I'm like, God, that sounds great, you know. Yeah, I love it, love it. And then he says, so you turn up on the day of the filming, they've chopped the tree down, <laughs> the, the, field, the hill's ploughed, it's raining, uh, yeah, they don't get on, these two, these two actors don't get on, one's got a cold and the, one's, the other one's ill. Mm -hmm. And you're thinking, wow, well, this isn't sounding so exciting anymore. <laughs> and he said, uh, and he said, the thing is, you still got to do it. Mm -hmm. And I can remember driving into, into the work at Shepperton the day they were filming this scene with um, Sean Connery in the woods at the end of Robin Hood. And honestly, it was like, uh, to use it again, it was Mordor over there where they were filming. <laughs> it was just slate black cloud. 
And uh, the next day, the Russians, I thought, oh, they're not going to film that today. And they've only got him for a day. What are they going to do? But the Russians came in the next day. It looked great. It's an amazing what you can get away with. Isn't yeah. it amazing? It yeah. kind of happened to us exactly that on Three Day Millionaire. When we did the pickups recently, we had to do this. We had to reshoot this thing outside a house and we shot it. And then the footage got lost. I won't say, no. I won't go into that, but that killed us for a moment. So therefore, oh, I knew I had to keep my actors to reshoot it the next day. So I literally literally sent uh, my location manager back to that place where I'd already gone round and knocked that morning anyway because the pr first place we wanted had a skip in front of it there was a big oh, building site so I oh. ran down the road and knocked on a load of doors and said hey would this do showed the director a photo and said hey, yes all right let's shoot this uh, then we shot it lost the footage so I went sent my location manager back to knock on the door they see Colbert went um, there's a tree cutting service cutting down their tree right outside and they're doing it all day so now we can't even do do the pickup of the pickup we wanted to do outside oh the house so i had to totally find a new house and these things happen all the time on film sets even on the big ones the sun's not right your expectations are up here and they just <laughs> come down and down and down and down until you go i'll have to accept that <laughs> God, I, feel, I feel like i could come in there and give you a big hug and say Thank it's all going to be fine but, yeah uh, and it is you, you, you managed yeah, we managed. Well we managed. Done. Thank you. We got it. We got it. Yeah, that's got a feeling, isn't it? When you when you've overcome adversity and you you know you have got it in the can, mm, it does feel great. It's it's yeah. it really is incredible. And I think filmmakers need to remember that in those moments because we all go through it. But when we're in the moment, it feels like the worst thing in the world. Like seventy people have died and everything's crashing down on us and we can't cope. But actually, they're the moments where you need to be strong and stand up and go. Actually, it's all right. How can I make this work? To Talk to yeah. my DP, talk to my crew. How can we do this now? What we've got here was a huge mansion. Now we've got a little room. What do we do? You know, and magic will come out of it. You'll make something happen because you were there. So and that's what you've got yeah. to believe in, believe in yeah. yourself in those moments, right? How many other times has that happened to you where you've set out something or the shot you really want and it actually just <laughs> couldn't happen? We, we were doing a, a shoot in the desert in Morocco and it was, um, it was a chase and it was this... VW estate being chased by these Hummers in the desert. I love it. Yeah, that was so exciting. Yeah, just, just sounds it. What a playground! But we only had the one car with the Hummers. We kind of had a few of them, but right. we only had one car, and it was like I just had I just had a worry. Obviously, yeah, mm. but not in your stomach the whole uh -huh. time. Mm -hmm. What if what if the car breaks down? <laughs> and how are we going to film it? You know, yes. what, how do we do this chase with a car that won't move? Mm -hmm. And and it, it worked mostly. The car mm. was fine. It worked great, and and the action was great. Oh, now the car's not working. <laughs> Shit! <laughs> but we haven't done the sequence where it kind of leaves the desert, gets up onto the road. Mm -hmm. uh, um, so I thought, right, well, and. Um, yeah, I, I was kind of because I had worried so much about it happening. You had, to, I think, I sort of mentally prepared myself for an alternative, which was to scream and run around. But I didn't do that. <laughs> I thought you wanted to do. I love it. Yeah, I really yeah. wanted to do that. Yeah, I get really angry and lose her temper because mm -hmm. that because just, that's going to help, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> why? It, wouldn't it be great if that did help? <laughs> 
but, but you know it doesn't you, you learn it doesn't unfortunately mm. you were you actually learn very quickly it doesn't and in yeah. fact people just lose respect for you it doesn't work at all i, I think maybe i was a slow learner but uh, and apologies <laughs> right. to all those people who might be listening i've lost my temper with in the past i'm really really sorry it's not me. It's not me. It's good to say that now. It's the monster. Yes, it's the monster yeah. in me. The pa- the person who wants to get it perfect and right and the vision you had in your head. Now I totally get it. And it's yeah. but this, like now, I imagine you're much. Are you much calmer on set than you were? Do you think? Well, I tell you, I did fin- finish this anecdote. Basically, yeah. I got the hammer. Okay. And we yes. got a, a, t- a tow rope and we pulled it up. Pulled the the VW up and I just the only thing is I had to lock the camera off so I could take out the Hummer later. So oh. I managed to do it. And it's quite useful that technique if you need ever do something like that. You, you know, you just shoot a bit wider so in post you can do the split screen, take mm-hmm. out what you don't need, then push in and shake it around a bit. Yeah, it was fun. It is fun. Yes. Uh, yeah. On that, are you calmer now? Uh, I'm a calmer. I try. I try to be. Mm-hmm. I try to be. <laughs> Try being optimistic. I'd like to think I succeed some most of the times. Mm-hmm. I nearly said sometimes. Look, I think it's. I, I try to to have relaxed concentration on the set, but sometimes that means that you might lark around a bit, and sometimes right. you play a bit of music, or maybe it's. Uh, you get a bit. You know, things get a bit more tense, and you just. But but I do. I mean. When I have lost my temper or I've shouted, it's just that that moment you do it, you just spend the next hour, two hours through just the next day just regretting it, don't you? And mm. you feel like the worst person on the world. Yeah, absolutely. How did your start happen? How did you force your way in? Because that's always, always difficult. There was a lot of frustration. Um, yep, a lot of shouting. And a lot of, you know. <laughs> A lot of talking to people and mm-hmm. and then saying, come on, you can do it. And so I had a, a very good support network and still do have. I'm very lucky like that because it is a crazy business to go into because it's just so unpredictable, isn't it? Mm. But hey, if you love it and you've got a passion for it. So the way I got in, I did. So, I mean, in those days, if you wanted to be an editor, you had to literally, because I was a second assistant, I never mm. really made it up to edit because you'd have to wait literally years. Mm. And I was just too impatient. So I'd, I worked in the cutting rooms and yeah, just kept making short films. I kept making short films and then I did a lot of, then I got into corporates. I mm-hmm. came out of the cutting rooms, got into corporate world, did a, some fascinating people I met doing corporate filmmaking, went to some incredible places, but then finally made, I thought like one more, one more short. And cause people had said, Hey, I like your shorts, but um, there's not any dialogue. There's not much dialogue is there. And of course, television was a, was then even more about dialogue. So I made one last short and I got an agent. Right. That, that was the that was the gatekeeper who mm-hmm. let me into the business. Amazing. And then that, that sent you on this journey. How, what about pitching then for these shows? Uh, again, we can move on a little bit now. You know, you've, you've done your Dream Teams, you've done your Sarah Jane Adventures, Waterloo Road. You know, you've done these. Now we're moving on to nice new sort of BBC dramas as such. Law and Order UK and The Casualty and Jekyll and Hyde. Suddenly you, you, you're moving from the kids... TV, if you like, and not kids, because Dream Team wasn't kids, but you, the more fun, friendly, Hollyoaks side of things, too much more drama. How were you pitching at that stage? Were you, if you can remember, were you sending in pitch documents about how you would do the episodes, how you do it? Can you, can you talk us through that? I think it's, 
like I said at the beginning, it's just about how I'm responding to that script. Mm -hmm. I'm, I suppose I'm employing, I've used a sizzle reel occasionally. Okay. So that's, uh, you know, a reel of, of material that you've managed to download or, or to, yeah. to hack a, C, a DVD and you cut together and say, yeah, I do it like this. This is the kind of tone and mm -hmm. palette that could be good. Otherwise it's, I think mood boards are quite useful. How mm -hmm. are you going to visually interpret it? interpret this script and and that's useful to be able to give people examples of i think just uh, also it's just about references isn't it what you've seen what you're responding to what this reminds you of but how you would do it how you think you would do it differently do you think that your work sort of spoke for itself so you could say your agent could pitch for you if you like and then they'd say hey they'd like to see you for law and order uk or for uh, mr selfridge so therefore you go in the room and they go well we've already seen your work is it sometimes about the chat in the room and how you're pitching in the room Gosh, that's such a great question do you know it's you never get it with interviews with exec, exec producers you never really get asked about that sort of stuff uh, about this is this is what your work has been what how did you do such and such on such and such i've never been asked that question so you've got so much more of a volume of film that you've made obviously because when you're making tv episodes you're making like, up to an hour every time and you've made so many of them like filmmakers or film film directors might make 10 films of about 90 minutes to two hours long throughout in, in their lifetime yeah yeah and you can probably go through that in a couple of years of work yeah i mean but it's obviously it's a completely it's a not completely different discipline but you're you're focused in on on one part of the discipline you haven't mm. originated that material say as a feature director often that's been the case yeah i think i think it comes down to the fact that they just want to talk about this project in this space this time so it's really what can you bring to it yeah okay what you and and therefore you'll have thought about what you can bring to it and yeah. you talk about that in the room i do remember one interview i had and yeah. i found myself saying to the showrunner look no further i'm your man <laughs> fucking get in did it work <laughs> Do you know what? Yeah, it did. Yes. It did it did work. But I but but the the point is I really did mean it, you know. Mm. As I'm sure as I'm sure everyone that met on that job, because it was such a great job. So it's it, it, it's difficult trying to look, I mean, you you gotta have you, you probably have got an ego. You want to keep maybe try and keep that ego in check mm -hmm. and, and just just see if you actually do love that script um you want to bring that into the room and that's i think that's how you respond to it that's got to be the, the main thing have you ever failed that is in have you ever oh, got, got you. and done it wrong talk talk us through what what did you do wrong do you think looking back yeah 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 i got a good one for you which is just i just called it wrong right which was so i was having an interview with a showrunner and and the producer so i was kind of I thought, well, this is a really decent script, but I was waiting for the showrunner to tell me how it was going to be run. But I called it wrong because they they didn't want that. They wanted you to tell them how it's going to be from your point of view. You know, this is what I would bring to it. Mm. Um, but but um, for some reason, I think it was it was just yeah, it's just that I set it up wrong in my head. Right, and that can happen, can't it? You go in with a certain this is how I'm going to do it, and you go, oh gosh, could you feel it at the time? Did you sort of know? Or yeah, I was. Yeah. I really sucks. <laughs>
It's just all. It's like I think, um, yeah, just bad, bad interview. Should have just. Was it? Uh, what's that? What's the movie that Sean didn't Sean Penn do a movie? He did it. He sucked in the casting and, and persuaded them to let him have come back at the end of the day and have another go. That's what I'd like to do. That kind of feeds nicely to a sort of small question of mine, which is on the mechanical side of that pitching. Are you pitching for those episodes in like specifically? Are you pitching for a chance to direct? these episodes in any episodes in a season sort of how does the process work in tv given that you're only going to be handling a limited number of episodes sometimes you can know ahead of time this is the block they're interested in you talking to you about or it could be a general meeting where you're just talking about the project maybe you've seen the first episode and they're looking for a number of directors you know because if it's 10 episodes so a man who felt worth there were four directors Alex right. took, you know, did the first four. Mm-hmm. Incredible job. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we're just all trying to, you know, emulate what, his amazing start. Yeah. So, so, yeah, sometimes you can know and sometimes, um, no, it's more open. Right. I'm bringing it back to the man who fell to earth perfectly there for us. Um, how was your pitch meeting for that? Did you, obviously, it went well. Did you feel it went well when you went in the room and, like say, you knew what episodes you were doing and Alex is already ep- directing some and he's the showrunner as well, old creator. So he was, uh, we met on the Zoom mm-hmm. and he made it so easy. Right. He was, because he's, he's such a, a kind and polite person. You know, he's very, you know, all across it there and back. He's um, incredible. This is Ale- Alex Kurtzman, by the way. We did mention it at the start, but just to, to mention yes. it again. Yes. Uh, so we talked about process a lot. We talked about process and how, how it worked on the set, how it works with the actors and uh, um, also about the scripts. But it was like this. It's really lovely talking to other people who actually are, you know, get out there and make stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's lovely to talk to, uh, you know, all sorts of people, of course, but it's, there's a, you're, you feel like you're always oh, another veteran, someone that's actually, and this could be someone that's just made a 30 second, you know, film on their iPhone. Mm. It's still that, Oh, you've done it. Haven't you? You've, yeah. You've been through the trenches of this and yeah. you've come out the other side. Yeah. And, and it's quite rare for some, for people to, to share their process openly, I think, mm. it, to be absolutely honest about it. And and um, when I heard that it's going to be Jenny Lumet, I haven't actually had that conversation with her yet, but her father's book, Making Movies... Oh, that's is, her father. Oh, my yeah. gosh. It's such an amazing book, Sydney Lumet's book. Yeah, she's royalty. She's royalty. <laughs> oh, my gosh. She did Ra- Rachel's Getting Married, The Mummy, you know, Star Trek, Strange in World. So she's been around a long yeah. time. I didn't I didn't make that connection. I, d- I mean, I don't know if you've read it, but her dad's book, Making Movies, uh-huh, is, yeah. it just takes you from the beginning, doesn't it? It mm-hmm. just says, like, here's my process, and he shares it with everyone. Yeah, it's very honest. It's a great book. I I thought Alex was like that. So I really enjoyed the meeting and mm. um, yeah, lucky enough um, to be invited aboard after that. Let's talk about working with the actors then, because Stuartel, Ejifore and Naomi Harris, you know, superstars in their own right, Bill Nye as well, obviously. Sure. And you're coming into that. Did you film in the UK or some of it, or was it mainly shot? Mostly here. Right. It was okay. um, Los Alamos was uh, the substitution for that was Spain. Right. So, so Alex, an amazing um, job they did out out in Los Alamos. Uh, uh, sorry, out in Spain to to be America, mm-hmm. but everything else was shot here. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, James Merrifield, the pro- production designer, has incredible job of uh, he built 
the cafe, the American cafe, road stop, everything. It was just wow, all it, built. It's, yeah, brilliant job in in the UK. That was a soundstage, or did you build that outside? That was in Alex's block, and they shot that. I believe they shot that in at Farnborough Airport. Wow, <laughs> I love yeah. the ma- movie magic. Right, you're right there, and then working with the actors. Say, how did you jump into that? That'd be really interesting. Do you like say you talk to them way beforehand? I imagine when they're already starting early episodes. Talk us through that process here again. They are the guardians of their characters, and and this was like a tour de force of that. So Naomi's preparation, Chiwetel's preparation was uh, yeah extraordinary. I would literally just come in and try not to get in the way you know just see those guys go and you're just just you're just creating the tone and the atmosphere on set hopefully and with the schedule and all the rest of it the amount of material you've got you've got to get through mm-hmm. and then narratively yeah i think it's small adjustments with you know the absolute top top draw and we had all sorts you know jimmy simpson and we had kate mulgrew mm-hmm. uh, sonia cassidy yeah Clark Peters. All sorts of, it, was, it was incredible i love that when you come in and just do those minutiae details with the actors and just tweet because it must be quite what's the word frightening is probably the wrong word but apprehensive to go and yeah. talk to them they know their characters they're amazing actors in their own right and you're coming up going hey do you like this or uh, and that can be really kind of you have to know what you're talking about when you say anything to them you have to literally have because they'll go what, what are you talking about that was shit it's frightening yeah i mean that bad note that you gave that mm. day you're just mm. going to crucify yourself yes for that and it mm. happens yeah you know, by accident we caught up in the moment you're thinking about all the other stuff that's going on so yeah no, it does happen but the hopefully we're all talking at the end of the process and you've got the you've just got captured those great performances i'm just trying to think also yeah with the man who fell to earth of course you've got you've got such interesting journeys with those characters you've got faraday coming to the planet and he can't even speak the language to begin with so he's gonna on the arc of becoming learning what it is to be human which i just think is so interesting that reflective surface and then also with what naomi's going to go through with the tragedy of what has happened in her past to meeting this guy on their joint mission mm-hmm. where are they going and then her father played by you know legendary clark peters mm-hmm. has got an extraordinary transformation it's kind of there and back again for him so if you're yeah you're just literally trying to remind them about that this is where we are on, on that on that journey for that scene and then onwards let's just talk us through a quick scene moment let's say you're doing a short scene where it's naomi and chiwetel in a room whatever just talk us through when you're going cool you know you're ready just just that moment of you're going to set first you look at the lights you look at just talk us through you on that when you bring the actors it'd be really interesting i think uh, for everyone to know yeah i mean everyone's got their own own process their own way into attack it so mine is i just visualize this well i have to know the space backwards so we, yes that's your you know, once you've got all that down so okay so see it could be a kitchen mm-hmm. um so the first thing i do is i look at the script and visualize how i think the blocking is going to work and i think if if you pin down the blocking uh on paper well in your head and then i put it on paper because i need to from the blocking i work out the the cameras mm-hmm. the camera positions because i also know how much time i've got so i do the blocking and then the camera positions 
And then I I know, uh, okay, I think that's achievable. And then we'll work out any special requirements of those cameras, if it's a, I don't know, steady, steady cam or a wire rig or, or whatever. And all the effects, by the way, mm-hmm. we all know they don't begin on the set. Nope. It takes so long as well. So long. And, yeah. So, so yeah, that's what I do. I go through it. So now that's all pinned down. When I get to the set, I'm sure you know this. You can throw it away. But if I, I I need to do that process first to be able to throw that away. So I've got my plan and I know the day will work if I can do this. But when the actors come in and they bring their magic to it and say, well, I don't understand. Well, you know, I feel I should go over there. I, you can roll with it generally. That literally is the nuts and bolts. And I do that with every scene. Amazing. Thank you for explaining that. I love that. It sounds like a quite a dry technical process, but I know. I, you know, you've got to start somewhere. And I think I need to visualize it i need to well i'm just all i'm trying to do is i'm trying to echo what is going on on the inside with what's going on on the outside so Mm. what is that character going through and how are we going to portray that and depict it visually Mm -hmm. and then there's all the other things that feed off that so lighting and the tone the tempo the performance the palette and so on and so on and so on i love it yeah i'm very similar to you very similar i love to do that i love to sit in the space as well if i can the locations i suddenly feel it when i'm in there i go okay this this feels nicer here and i could block they could stand walk across it oh this could be a nice tracking shot i love to be in the space but i'm very similar to you in the script stage same process and i think that's it's just nice to know you know we're all on that same path how does it work for you because if you if you're you're in the space and and you've you know you've got your scene down do you mm-hmm. do you after you've seen the space do you quite often change the writing to fit the space or yes yeah especially on any film yeah absolutely because now it doesn't work what you had in mind you know you go to the window and look out and you go well there might not be a fucking window you know what I mean? so you're like okay how do we make this work and it's so yes i do the same as you i go through it with an inch of its life and then when i get to set i throw it away but as long as i've got that in the back of my mind i know that that's my safety net i know yeah. i can use that if i need to but uh, I, yeah I, I like to play on the day you know i like to see what will work but know my plan like say yeah. if you need a steady cam you can't then go oh i'm not going to use it because that's a lot of money um so you've still got to think about what you're doing i'm working with them or i'm just in the very early stages of developing a we wanted to be a a drama series about drug trafficking Mm -hmm. and i was talking to someone that had been involved in that and i was it was kind of interested to see you know how do you become successful in that particular business Mm -hmm. and he said improvisation is key and i thought wow that's really interesting because it's it's it is similar isn't it you've got to be directing you've got to be ready to improvise with the solution if if things go awry yes and they will your car breaks down in the desert or Mm -hmm. you know you don't have your window (laughs) exactly i suppose all the film is an act of kind of concerted improvisation really everybody's got the framework but we all know that when the boots hit the ground when the cameras start rolling it's all about what's going to come out best no matter how well we've prepared for everything it's almost like it doesn't so many like you you'll have had this so many times just things go wrong on the set and things happen and they can upset you and it's not what you wanted but when you get into the edit room or when it's on a cinema or on tv you kind of forget all those things you know it's now what's important is the end product it doesn't matter who fell out with who whatever or you didn't get food that morning or whatever i don't know what it is it's irrelevant once you've got 
in the edit and you're in you're making your film because suddenly then it's you've got something amazing you've got something that it's really hard to make really hard yeah. to do and that yeah. sense of achievement is ridiculous because you are overcoming so many obstacles yeah i think you're right i i haven't done it myself but i gather that you know childbirth can be quite a trauma for mm -hmm. the person going through it mm -hmm. and uh, i think it's kind of you also hear oh yeah you forget about the pain mm -hmm. i i sort of maybe I do, I generally do about the logistical things. Oh, that's what I forget about, but I'm still bugged by that person who I did at the end of it. She thought, yeah, that, that guy doesn't know what he's doing or, you know, mm. he's a bad, bad man and a bad, bad director. That, that still sort of chews me up a bit. Mm. I try not to... I try not to let it, but I think, I think, yeah, unfortunately, you're not all going to be friends. And that's a really good thing to know. And that's okay. Because I think we go into this business sometimes wanting to be really liked. And, and well, of course we do, everyone does in this world, but it's okay that some people won't like you as much as you want them to. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good thing to remember. Yeah. When you get your head around it. Yeah. And it's, it, the thing is, it's not a democracy that mm -hmm. is it? you've got to, if it was a democracy, you will not complete your call sheet. You've just got to, you've got to get through it, haven't you? Yeah, you do. And that's what's important. Obviously, you don't want to trample anyone. You don't want to hurt anyone on the way. Absolutely not. No. Um, these, you know, so therefore, sometimes, like you say, if you are getting angry or there is an issue, it's because you're trying to make the best film possible, the best TV show possible. It's not because of anything uh, vendetta against anyone. And I think that's, you know, you have to hold it in mind. And like you say, if someone, you think people think this about you, they probably don't in the slightest. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, th I read something the other day that uh, if you're if you're worried about what people think of you, you are now a prisoner. Yes, but at the same time, <laughs> <you're>, <laughs> we're in our own jail. <laughs> yeah, you want to be sensitive to everyone's needs on the set and everything, but to. you just yeah. definitely want to get like absolutely. I agree with you. Everyone's trying to make the best film possible, mm. and the ones that you know that there is an occasion where you sense someone's not. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's that's something you're going to have to deal with too. Yes, yeah, and and that then conversations happen about it, and often they don't stay on set much longer, and it can you know, and that's hard because you've got to go through that process, especially if they're close with you on set. But not everyone does fit. Yeah, on the on the other where we're at at the moment, production's going gangbusters, isn't it? There's mm -hmm. never been so much production, and uh, and crew leave. When I was um, first starting out, that was. That was I never I never saw that ever. But you know, if people aren't being treated that well on set, you know, or if they're if they're um, they're not happy for whatever reason, they'll go to another show now. And I yes. sort of I sort of think kind of that's sort of fair enough, really. You know, so it makes it makes us all try and look after each other a bit better. Totally agree. Yeah. Rather than, oh, well, I'm stuck here now. Oh, we've got to deal with these people. It's actually, it's okay to leave or it's okay to move. It's okay, you know, and therefore you can look after the ones, you know, everyone on set. And I think that's, you know, you do your best. It's not ideal for us though, is that? I mean, because you mm -hmm. want your, you want, you want your team with you. You've all got your, you develop your shorthand. So mm -hmm. you, you know, you can really be free to play. Yes. So it's um, when someone else has, someone new has come into the playroom, you've got to look after them. There's a bit of energy you have to make in that direction. Yes. Hopefully that's, that's worth it. Mm. But, um, but the ideal thing is that you, yeah, wouldn't it be amazing? You just made your film, each film you made with your, your crew that you, you know, have that amazing shorthand with yeah. like, 
Clint Eastwood does. Well, it does happen a lot with certainly the indie film I'm working in at the moment, moving into studio films and stuff. We're bringing the same team with us. You know, I'm often working with oh, the same brilliant. DP, editors, crew. We, we're all this little gang and new people will come in, people will drop out, they're on other jobs, how it works. But we have this That's amazing. A, absolutely immense sort of crew around all of us all the time and it's it's really incredible we know each other we know each other's shorthand and like i say if someone new comes in and they don't really fit in they you know they yeah. don't stay long it's like it's okay we will find someone else because we are making films how do you manage to keep the team together if you're you know if you're in post-production for quite a lot lot of time and they're looking for the next gig or yeah we've been very lucky in the last sort of four or five years is we've constantly made quite a lot of movies which has been amazing so therefore that team has grown with us the problem is with that is now they've grown so well that now they're getting big netflix gigs and they're getting all these gigs and you can't necessarily afford them and also netflix is signing them up uh, so you do sort of lose your crew and you have to find new ones quite regularly and often then you have to train them up again and it's not as easy yeah what about if you just get them in their cult you know you're the head of the cult and they they cannot leave ever. <laughs> we, we we haven't yet, but I'm uh, yeah, I'm tempted to. <laughs> cruelly <laughs> ma, cruelly ma, cru literally cruelly ma. But there will be want they want paying. You see, that's the problem. Unless we're you know taking them out into the fields and we can make carrots and potatoes ourselves, <laughs> <laughs> it might be a bit tricky. How does that kind of crew partnership work in the TV world when you've got kind of a more limited time, Joss? Do you have? kind of people that you collaborate on most of the episodes you'll do regardless of the show? Like, do you have consistent DOP? Do you work with gaffers, like, across all the various different shows? How does that work when you've got such kind of a, a limited frame? It's mm, a degree of luck, really, if you manage to keep your, your gang together. I think it's probably more possible if you have a shorter edit uh, time to keep your DP with you. But... Really, and, and you know, it goes back to what we were saying earlier about how busy it is here. So, if the DOP is going from one to the next, the next, the next, then it's really difficult. So, it really is a matter of kind of like, okay, I've got these episodes. I love working with X as the DP. Let's see if he's not taken. Pretty much, yeah, pretty much like that. Although, um, if you're if you just keep keep in contact, so you, there's a chance you can stay in sync with each other a little bit more. But then again, you know, working with another director of photography or another first AD, it's kind of healthy for you as well. It stretches you in different ways. Yes, very true, very true. What bad advice do you think you've heard on your time? Maybe you've been doing talks or whatever, and sort of bad advice. You thought, oh, no, that wasn't true. Is there anything that you've heard along your time that our listeners could take inspiration from. I had some advice once by a first assistant who said to me, well, this schedule's looking terrible. <laughs> you know what, Joss? What, what the other director, you know, the other director, he'd go right up to that production office and then he'd really kick off and... Uh, wow. And, you know, you should have a think about that. So I thought... <laughs> You know, that might be a good idea. Oh, so I went upstairs and complained mm -hmm. and um, was nearly fired. <gasps> That's bad advice. That is 100% <laughs> bad advice. Oh, my gosh. But, but seriously, I'm just trying to think, what's bad advice? Bad advice. Here's a good bad advice. Never ask a question. That's bad advice. Always, always ask questions. Even when you know it's going to be unpopular, I think it's best that you ask. And the other one is, um, you know, if, if something goes adrift, just own up to it straight away. If it's, you know, everyone makes mistakes, don't they? Mm -hmm. So don't, don't just, just don't try and hide it. You know, everything's forgivable. The first day on, on the, that guy I was telling you about who did 
uh, snow effects and I was yes. his assistant. It was just the two of us. He said to me the first day on the set, he said, right, you can do two things wrong. You can be late and get in front of the camera. And I just generally pass that along to anyone that's their first day on set. I say, no, I'll tell you what I was told. Mm-hmm. It's great advice that that's great advice thank you so much for your time on this we could talk for hours i think this has been brilliant really informative lovely to meet you both yeah, yeah really great to talk real joy uh look the man who fell to earth is available on showtime now go watch it go seek it out go support uh and obviously the split you can check that out paul dark if you want to see some raunchy scenes <laughs> <laughs> then feel free to do so which i'm sure you already have anyway um you can go out there and make your indie film you can make it happen you can go make your tv series believe in yourself and go pitch properly and get it done and if you're lucky enough to rise up and do well it is your duty to send the elevator back down hugh siddle didn't you do well yeah <laughs> <laughs> just about kept my head above the water you did brilliantly yeah i thought you were a pro yeah absolutely, absolutely. podcasting maybe let's try and get on the filmmaking side next <laughs> it's amazing uh joss agnews thank you so much for your time honestly you've been a star oh thank you joss yeah it was a lovely really great talking to you guys about um this passion brilliant buddy we'll see you all next tuesday everyone take care go make your films make your tv series make it happen see you there bye-bye, bye-bye. bye-bye.